right. Welcome back to My Brother's Deeper. It's been a spell since we <clears throat> we spoke. Um, this is a podcast about two brothers, one that lives in England, one that lives in Chicago now. And my name's Josh Mayhall. My name's Jason Mayhall. And welcome back to My Brother's Deeper. So it's been about, what, almost two months since we talked. I think so. Yeah, because I left... We, the last one we did was right at the end of June because I left L.A. on, like, June 30th, okay. July 1st. So it's been two months, and I went on the road for uh, about a month and settled in Chicago. Um, on my trips, I stopped in New Mexico, uh, which was cool. I was in Las Cruces for a couple nights. Not much to speak of there. Okay. Uh, I just thought it was like a good halfway point between there and Texas. Mm -hmm. But I did see, like, I went out and went on, like, a little hike around the Rio Grande River, which was really nice. Um, and then I went to Texas, and I have a friend there who lives in Georgetown, mm -hmm. which is just north of Austin. But he lives on, like, this branch almost. It's a – he has a – uh, how he has three kids. He's Marion has three kids, and his wife's parents live with them. And they live like on a farm, basically. Like they rent out this place, and it's just like this. And there's cows on it, and they have chickens, and they have a dog, and it was pretty nice. So I was there for the for Independence Day, and then I went to Louisiana to see mom. Which we're going to talk a little bit more about while I was there. She told me a little bit more about her days in the Army. Oh, okay. That's interesting. And yeah. So one of the things that she told me was that when she went into the Army, she went into the program for nursing to become a nurse. Mm -hmm. And she was in she was in Georgia. Did you know that? No. Like so that so she went from New Jersey to Georgia. Yeah, she was stationed somewhere in Georgia, and she she flunked out of the nursing school. No way. Yeah, she couldn't do it. Really? Yeah. So back up just a second. I've always understood the narrative to be she graduates high school. Her father, our grandfather, says, listen, you need to do something because you're not staying here. You can go to college. I'll pay for it. Or if you don't want to do that, you go to the Army. And she chose the Army because she didn't want to go to school. Was that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that, and wanted to be a nurse. Okay. And couldn't do it. Couldn't, like, make the – I guess you got to make the grades and pass oh. the tests. And so then they – that's when they shipped her to Virginia, which was just, like, your normal sort of PFC or whatever. Okay. And that – that's where she met dad. So what was she doing when she went to Virginia? Like, what was her job? She was still working within the medical part, but it was just like whatever that base entry thing is for that. Okay. So that to me was when she told me that, like, I was like, I, that was hard to hear because it was just it went back to that way of thinking that she, when she told me she was not. She's not a school person and just couldn't – she had troubles learning stuff. Did she feel – like when she's talking about this, did, did you sense like shame? Like yeah. was she embarrassed by that? Yeah, there was – she felt really bad because that's what she wanted to do. Like that was – like even now, there are an edge of when she's talking about people – Especially like her sister Sharon, who was an LPN, yeah, in the Air Force and all that. Yeah, I think that was like her goal. Like she wanted to, you know, like you make more money when you do that. Yeah. So she's been sort of re relegated to these sort of just bottom level gigs within the medical world, you know. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't think I've ever thought about. The relationship between what she wanted to do and what her sister wound up doing. Yeah, I never put that together. And there's a there's a and a, or tension there with them 
with both of them because Sharon treats her a lot like a lot of people do once they get to. I mean, we've treated her like that, I guess, at some point of just being annoyed by her, you know. Like, I think she feels that energy from her family as well. Like, Tim is like that with her. Mm-hmm. I think she's felt that her whole life from everyone. Golly. That's, yeah, I just even thinking about Aunt Sharon doing that within the context of the military, too, you know, like, I wonder, you, you wonder how much of that, you know, just happened and how or how much of that was, you know, by design, like from Sharon's perspective, like if she really wanted to do the same thing or it was just like, well, that's what my sister tried. Let me see if I can do it. Yeah, I think part of that, too, is just when you enter the military as a woman what yeah. are the options you that's know those point. are probably those are probably the only options you have yeah. at that time you and know that's that's the late 60s early 70s so yeah yes that was a revelation because i didn't know she was in georgia that it was never there. never told well i see now why she didn't mention it it was a failure in her life you know yeah, yeah. But the other big thing, too, was that she talked about was the third marriage. Okay. Which we talked about kind of a bit extensively where we related both of our stories and they were both different. Yeah. Of what, what we knew, all the information we had on the guy because we weren't given much because it happened clandestinely. But she told me a lot more this time around and... Um, if you're listening and you're of an age, you might want to you might want to like skip this part. Is is this where the story gets gnarly? Yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. So so may, like quick recap then from my perspective, because I heard the story differently than you did. You heard it kind of over a period of time. I heard it kind of all at once after it was essentially over. Is she met this guy, they wound up getting married, he was in prison at some point, whether it was before or after they met and or or and got married, we don't know, or I didn't know. And then he wound up dying, from my perspective, offshore on an oil rig, potentially murdered. That was kind of my general yeah. general synopsis yeah. that I walked away from. Yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to start at the beginning. Okay. And this is, this is you, like, how did this come up? Did you just come out and say, Mom, tell me the story? I asked her. Okay, just straight up. Yeah. And was she hesitant at all? Yeah, because, like, what she told me was embarrassing. Okay. So, at the, so the beginning I asked, I was like, how did you meet him? Because there is the... The murkiness of, like, did she meet him in j- while he was in jail? Was she, like, a pen pal with him? Is that what you thought it was? Yeah. Okay, so she met him at a bar in South Monroe. Okay. South so Monroe. she was, yeah, I was like, South Monroe. <laughs> That's very specific. <laughs> I know. I was like, what bar? <laughs> like the Mohawk? <laughs> That's downtown. Would that be considered downtown? But yeah, downtown. It's on the river. Downtown adjacent. That's that's. Uh... I spent some time there, man. So I got to kind because of, I rode my bike down there um, by the river because it's small. Monroe's small, so you yeah. can get connected to stuff. Yeah. So so Mohawk, the Mohawks on Louisville. Right, right. And but closer I, on the west, closer to the West Monroe end, right? I guess because it's mean, not that far from the river. No. Yeah. It's not. And West Monroe's just on the other side of the river. Yeah. So anyway, South Monroe would be like if you were on, I guess that's uh, 165 that goes north-south. Yeah, like headed towards Bastrop. Right. So on the south end, Yeah. that would be like like when you get out of, like when you go, when you go past 20. Yeah. So like kind of near, like like Carroll High School. Yeah. So when those, yeah, that would be South Monroe. So, she meets him there. That's not a South, great part. That's not a great part of town. 
Yeah, I'm not sure if that's where that bar was, but that's just sort of situationally. That's where South Monroe is. But anyway, she meets. She's there with friends. She meets them there. Um, and this is circa what date wise? Any clue? Uh, it's probably around 2000, 2001, okay. 2002. I don't know. Because I was there in 2004, so it had to be between 2000 and 2004. Okay. So anyway, she meets them, and then she gets to know them, and they date, I guess. And and he's just a regular dude at this point, like working, doing his thing? Yeah. Okay. So she meets him, they date, she gets to know his mom, because I think he was living with his mom, and he goes to jail. He gets arrested for something. I guess it's, I think it's all drug related. And he goes to jail and tells her like, you know, he's like selling, to, selling or using. Or I both. don't know. I really don't know. She didn't get into that. But uh, she tells me that he goes to jail and tells her like it's going to be like he's going to be in there for like 18 months or something like that. And he convinces her like, you know, it won't be that long, you know, just stick with it. So she's like, OK. And then finds out it's going to be three years and then has to do some more convincing. So she would go see him in jail, like visit him and stuff. And then I guess that's, he, that's probably where the pen pal thing came. Yeah. OK. And this sort of three years, I guess she gets to know the mom some and finds out that he was getting disability checks because his IQ is like 70. Right. That's the gnarly part. So he he's recognized by the government as mentally challenged. Yep. And that wasn't something she picked up on. Yeah, she did, but she thought he was, you know, there was something to him. Like everybody needs a shot, you know, like everybody needs a chance, and that you know there was something in there that she saw that she was attracted to or something, and thought like she could, okay. So eventually he gets out, and I guess they get that. He convinces her to get that place in Colombia. That was his idea. Yeah. He was kind of, I guess he was kind of knew that area. And he did work on oil rigs. Okay. So that's where that comes from. Okay. And that place in Colombia where she lived, there were a lot of, not a lot, but it was a handful of men that, had homes there that were oil rig people. Okay, so, so he kind of knew, knew the people and community. Yeah, okay. so like he he knew that that was a place where he could get a good. And it was and when she lived there, it was a nice spot. But so anyway, he goes back to prison at some point, and that's when he died. What happened was he was on a work detail. It was a sto- there was a storm. Okay. And they were using prison workers to put out sandbags during the storm yeah and that's he died in during doing that what happened well i guess it's still a possibility that he was you know done away with so 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 do you have any idea once he once he serves his three years how long he's out before he goes back in because it couldn't have been that long huh i mean maybe a year i don't know and was it for drugs again? Yeah, I think so. So when do they get married during this? She married him in prison that first three-year stretch. Wow. The <sighs> most disturbing part of it is that she was with this guy that had a 70 IQ. And, like, his mom, in certain words, was would talk ass about him and be like, yeah, yeah I get these checks and... Blah blah blah. And what, what she wasn't. It sounded like the mom was kind of a a pill. Okay. That was disturbing to me and sad and to know that she was basically with a person that was mentally challenged like that. You know. Like, does the sadness for you come from the fact that like you feel like she? settled because that's all she could get or because she didn't recognize it or like where what what where does that come from i think a part of it is a big part of it is, is that she might be on that spectrum herself yeah 
Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I do think that we tend to view the mental capacities of people, particularly from an American perspective, as either or rather than looking at it as a yeah. you know? Yeah, I think that was that's true. That's very true. Because I think that she is not. She's high functioning if she's if she's somewhere on that spectrum. Yeah. You can't you can't live on your own, pay your bills, have a job, you know, do what she does if you're not high functioning. No, I I know. I'm not saying she's mentally handicapped. I I just think that. Yeah, a big part of it is that she was desperately lonely. Mm -hmm. And. What are her options when it comes to love? You know, she doesn't. I don't know, man, like whatever her aptitude is for like keeping a relationship a certain way or trying to work on it or it's hard work. And she didn't have a lot of success with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, her we talked about her second marriage being sort of the most successful one. And long lasting. Yeah. And how that ended. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just it was sad to, because she was sad about it, too. Like she did not. She was a bit embarrassed by it. So that that was the question I was going to ask you. Did she feel any regret? Does she sad that she lost them? Like, what, yes. like where's she at? Like, how does she view that I think relationship? She, I think she's disgusted by it a bit. Like she is sad that she the way it looks when she tells people and so she a bit, has a recognition of the way it looks from the outside yeah yeah definitely does she reg- do you think she regrets it at all yeah yeah wow Def- yeah I, did, I think she so she must have had a she, i mean if you think about it josh she must have had she obviously had a recognition of that Otherwise, she wouldn't have hid it from us. Definitely. I think that's why she did. <laughs> yeah. You know? Man. So, and this trip that I had there, the time that I spent there, it, it was a totally different vibe from Christmas. She was, uh, and, you know, obviously everybody's a bit, has, a, has this despair in them because of COVID. Yeah, it seems to be everywhere. The uncertainty of things, um, the fact that in America there's we're coming up on two hundred thousand people dead, and it seems like the quietest thing that's happening. It's not like we're at war mm-hmm. and there are people, soldiers dying at a mass rate, but it just seems like what what can we do about it? And no one knows what to do and. It just it's not going away. So that's part of like the vibe, you know, but also I think she's very lonely there because, you know, recently I um, they had that hurricane, Laura, that yeah. went through there and she was affected by that. I don't know if you talked to her about it, but did, like her, yeah. her, her power went out for yeah. a couple of days. And yeah, I was checking on her right before it happened. You know, I was like. Because they were predicting it, the power was going to go out and all that. And I was like, if you need anything, let me know. And she said, I thank you. I just want to know that there are people out there that care about me. And that, and it's like, <clears throat> I just thought about like, wow, man, like she moved back to Louisiana because, you know, you know, it's a place she knew and she knows people and she has friends there and she won't be as lonely, but she still just is as lonely as ever. Because when I was there, she didn't really interact with her friends i guess she had one friend that called her but i don't know she seems pretty still pretty isolated as much as she was i guess in ohio i don't know i mean she's working and she likes that job better and she does have that sort of friendships here and there but for her to say that i don't know if that's just a family thing like she doesn't feel connected to us yeah, I, I mean, I think I think that's what's hard for me, Josh, is trying to discern just how much truth is in that. Like, I'm not doubting that that's the way she feels. I think I struggle with how much of that is mom being the type of person who will always say that no matter what situation she's in. Like, because I, I know 
I know she's got to be lo- – anytime you live on your own, you're going to be lonely for sure. Like that, that is reality. When you're the age you are uh, or the age she is, that, that I think enhances all that and, and magnifies it to make it even more difficult as you begin to see I can't see my kids, I can't see my grandchildren, those sorts of things. I think, I think her saying that to you, there, there's a part of me, and I know this probably sounds harsh, but there's a part of me that just instinctively thinks that that is a bit of a guilt trip on you to to say that because there's no question that she has people around her that if she were in need would come to her come to her aid we've seen it like we've seen it happen before and i know it's a i know she'd have to call them i know it's not people calling probably checking on her quite as much as she would want to and maybe they don't live right next to her where she can see them all the time because she's not in a neighborhood as far as i know so i don't know like i i i'm trying to be careful here because i don't want to dismiss what she said but i'm also trying to gauge like how serious is that you know because We've talked about this before. Like, there's a sense where she's going to say that or or feel a certain way, no matter what's happening. Yeah, I, it's interesting that you bring up the guilt trip thing because we talked about this before about me feeling guilty and there being guilt in our relationship. My 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 relationship specifically with mom. Yeah. Uh, over the years, not being close enough to her having left when I was 15 and all that. And and I thought when we were younger that she did, she used to do that, the guilt trip thing. Cause I didn't like, I felt like that was a term that I knew very early on. And oh, like, I the, agree. I the guilt trip. Yeah. The guilt trip term. Yep. I think, I think we, we heard that between the parents. Yeah. You know, on both sides. Yeah. So when I was leaving, um, she had this demeanor about her of just like she had this sad face and she was just like looking at me like I wasn't going to like I'm leaving her again. And I had this visceral reaction internally of like, I have to leave. <laughs> like no matter like I just had this like I got to get away from her. Like this is just really, really weird. Yeah. Not weird, but like she's not like, hey. Be careful. Have a good time. Like, I will be worried about you, but it was just like this down, down, down thing of just like you're leaving again. Yeah. And I was just like – and she wasn't – like when I left Texas, my friend Matt, he like loaded me up with all this food. Hmm. And when I left mom's, she kept all the food. That you brought? No, like stuff that we had like ate. And that was left over. I was like, I can take that for lunch or something. But I was like, but I asked her instead of just taking it. I was like, do you want that? She was like, yep. But that, I, but no, it's not because that's how she deals with things. She eats. It's true. Yeah. So I didn't take it personally. I just made a mental note of it. Yeah. So it's like, it felt like she was in a depression while I was there. Like when I was there in Christmas, she was not. Yeah. She was up and like, but like, I think it probably had a lot to do with like what I was doing in life. She I think was, so. There's that uncertainty and all that. Yeah, she took it onto herself almost. Yeah. So yeah, there is like this. I didn't feel guilty. I felt bad that maybe I was a little bit annoyed with her more so this time around. Yeah. Than I should have been, but you know she doesn't operate like a cheerful mom. No. With, <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, it's funny you say that because e- even this morning, Jonah and I went out to breakfast and we were just talking about a bunch of different stuff. And he inevitably, I mean, we'd start talking about family and stuff. And he m- mentioned Granny and he was asking about her job and saying, so does she does she like her job now? Knowing the context of Ohio. And it was interesting, Josh, because like. When I talked to her a few days ago, it's very it's just very negative. I mean, you just said, you know, no, she likes her job and you know, that sort of thing. And I think deep down she does. I think comparatively, you know, to other jobs, it is a good job. But 
there's a like I said to Jonah, I was like, I think she likes it, but she doesn't say she does. You know, like she she will always kind of focus on what's going wrong or what's going bad. And we wound up getting into some crazy conversations that I just had to change the subject on because she's she's got a lot of interesting thoughts about the coronavirus. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and I just had to move on because it was not worth me engaging. I mean, there were a couple times where I was like, that's crazy, mom. And she kind of pivoted real quick and was like, oh, no, and that's just what other people are saying. Yes, like, that's she, she would come home from work when I was there that week and spout off all this stuff. It's other people. It's not hers. She doesn't have an original thought about this stuff. Well, but so you're probably right, but I do think it's impacting what she does think because the way it yeah. started was she made the comment, I'm just ready for this election to be over. And I was like, no, I agree. Like, it's just crazy, like all the back and forth and negativity. And she's like, well, and just for the coronavirus to be over, too. I was like, what? She's like, well, yeah, once once the election's over, then the virus will go away. I was like, mom, what are you talking about? And that's kind of how it started. So, um, yeah, she told that to me, too, when I was there. And I'm like, this is just uh, the area you live in is a, a lot of Trump supported. I mean, I would drive around. And there's Trump signs and everywhere. And it, it's just that's that's the the area you're in and that's what people think they think it's a hoax at the same time they know people that are my mom works in an office where they give coronavirus tests i know and people and and some of those tests come back positive yes so the freaking thing exists (laughs) well people are getting it i don't think she doubts it exists it sounded like she was she was basically saying that it's it's a ploy in order to get Trump out of office. And once the election's over, that battle also is over. And and I was just like, Mom, I said, I don't think people dying where I'm where I live has nothing to do has anything to do with Trump versus Biden. Like people all over the world are dying. You know, it's like what, 25 million globally have contracted it. Like, I don't think that all stemmed from let's keep the American president who's currently in the office in the office. Right. It's definitely been politicized by both sides here in America, but for good reason, because of the way we've handled it and the way other countries have handled it. So it's been politicized because you can use that against anyone. I mean, you take any kind of issue and you can politicize it. But yeah, that whole thing, she just lives in an area where it's, that's the train of thought. It, it is. And, and and I think that's part of where I was trying to explain to Jonah without coming across too negatively that, you know, Granny's just kind of always negative. <laughs> like she's just kind of always has that perspective about where she's at. And I don't – sometimes you don't really know what actually is in existence from a standpoint of her happiness or her contented – her contentment. You just don't know. No, you don't. Uh, I find myself being like that sometimes too, especially when I talk to her. Like I don't want to admit when things are going well <laughs> with her. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, because too, I she- talked to her yesterday and I had to get off the phone. Like I recognize this thing as I've gotten older when I talk to her on the phone that I'll know if I can do this for an hour or not. Oh, I talk I to her. Yeah. But within five minutes, I'll know, like, okay, I'm in a state where I'm going to be mean or I'm going to not be as uh, receptive to her. Yeah. And I'll be like, Mom, I got to get off the phone. Or, you know, or she can, she can read it, too. Like yesterday, she could tell. Okay. So, but I had talked to her on the phone before that, too, like a couple of days because of the hurricane. Yeah. And I was like in contact with her and making sure I was going to like if it got really crazy, I was going to drive down there, you know. Yeah. So I hope she knows all that. I didn't really tell her that. I should have told her that. Yeah. I didn't tell her that. That's on me. But getting back to the thing of like, like her not feeling support from her own family. Yeah. And we both of us are lumped into that because there's other people involved, like her brother and sister. So, yeah, we are lumped in with that. I don't know. No, I think 
you more so than me <laughs> because you have she I think she took on some level not a not a it's probably a lower level but you moving to England I think she took a bit personally right no I agree I think she definitely has I mean I've, I've definitely picked up you know she she ebbs and flows emotionally so I picked up that until recently I mean maybe currently but I think definitely recently th- there was a withdrawal from her where she was not you know like I would t- sometimes it's just easier for me quite frankly because of the time difference just to like do a, do a message to her and then you know however many hours later when she responds to then start the conversation with her and she was just not really giving me anything like it was very sparse and I was trying to ask questions and making sure she was OK. And so anyway, it was a couple days ago. It was before Camden's birthday, maybe maybe three or four days before. I just call, I just was like, hey, can we set a time to talk? And she was like, sure. And so we wound up wound up calling her. And so I like strategically knowing what you know, that it can only be a certain amount of time before we get frustrated with each other i actually just used the phone and took her on a tour of the house and that took up 15 20 minutes right there which was great yeah and and um and i think she appreciated because it, it made her feel like she was a part of you know kind of our life so i'm I, I i try to do things like that to help the situation but I, you're i know that she, she she takes it personally when i don't call as much Particularly because I think compared to you, and then I think she takes it personally when maybe she gives sends a message and we don't respond right away, forgetting potentially not just the fact that lives are going on but also the time difference. So I I've just learned to accept it and just not take it too personally myself because then I don't want to I don't want to be hypocritical and take everything personally when I'm saying well that's what she's doing and she shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, she she's got her own thoughts on that for sure. I mean, I don't know if she really has any thoughts on Trump, really, the political system. Going back to that for just a second, because uh, I think all of that is just coworkers talking, mm. and she comes back and says this stuff. But as far as like family goes, we've talked about it before. She just has this perception of what what it should be. Mm-hmm. And she has a hard time dealing with the reality of it. Yeah. And like syncing that up and or just accepting that. But. And again, to be fair, all of us struggle yeah, with that in definitely. varying areas of our life. Yes. We have these like in our minds how we think things are going to go like that day. Like we wake up and we're going to go, we're going to do the, do this, this and this. And this is how this is going to be. And it never ends up that way. No. You know, there's things that happen. Yeah. But anyway. I don't know if there's any more you want to talk about when it comes to or just put it like a stamp on it at the end of it with her. Um, I just wanted to add those things because we had talked about those subjects and they were a bit murky for us. So there was a little bit of clarity there with some of the couple issues there that we didn't know about. Um, I wondered, though, like because we've talked about this before, about how her decision making has impacted us as we were kids living with her but as we got away from her sometimes still her decisions are still impacting us you know it's like the third marriage not knowing that she didn't tell us about it and it's still something that we're kind of like affected by even though we weren't weren't even in the circle right um I wonder if there will be a po- there probably won't be a point where where um we get to a place where she I don't I don't know if it's because she doesn't trust us I I, I do on some sense think that she doesn't trust that we will be there for her mm-hmm. you know like because she said this before like when she gets older and can't work anymore and will we take care of her. And whatever that means, what is that capacity? I think in her mind, she's going to come live with one of us. Mm. I think that's what she wants. I think that's what she thought, like, moving to Ohio would eventually be. Mm-hmm. 
Which we were fine with. I mean, that was part of our mindset was that this is the last move, you know, and we wanted to be in a position to take care of her and to help her make those type of decisions that wouldn't have lasting negative consequences. So, yeah, I I mean, I don't know if she fully grasps what that's going to look like either, because when she talks about being able to retire, like I remember having this conversation in Ohio, I was like, she, she said something about, yeah, when I turn whatever, I'm going to retire. And I was like, well, mom, what does that mean to you? Like, well, I don't work anymore. I said, so will you be in a position to not be able to work like financially? She was like, well, when you reach a certain age, you just retire, right? I was like, well, if you can. And so like just having that conversation of like, are you relying on Social Security? Would you be able to live off of that? Do you have anything else, you know, in savings or it was just a foreign concept to her. It's like she's grown up thinking retirement, 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 but doesn't really understand what that even means. So, yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't know what her expectations are, but more than likely, it's it's in line with, you know, what 80 percent of, of America thinks retirement is or what old age is without probably a real sense of how that's going to work. Yeah, I think it is pretty murky for a lot of people. I keep using that word. I'm sorry. Uh, I need to expand my vocabulary. Uh, (laughs) But I think that a lot of people are like that, too. I think she has a little bit more understanding of it now because they tell you, like, what you're going to get Social Security-wise. They update you that. You know, like, if you were to retire now, this is what you would get every month. So she has done that sort of like mental math of like, okay, I would get that. So I would still have to keep a part time job. Okay. And she said that. And I also think that she would want to keep the part time job to stay active because she, during this whole Corona thing, the thought of being at home was maddening to her. Yeah. Because she does, she is struggling with depression. Mm hmm. And she knows that. So mm-hmm. she said if she were to be quarantined, that she would go crazy. So, like, the job has been a saving grace Yeah. for her. So yeah. I think I think in the future, you know, as far as retirement goes, I think she would probably keep working to some extent. Yeah. So I think she's kind of figured out something. That's good. That she would do. I think when I told her that, you know, I'm leaving L.A. and that I was going to come see her. She thought I was going to come live there. Really? Yeah. I think that's what she wanted. She Like, she thought that I – and I, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought about it hard. Did you? Really? Yeah, I thought, I, I thought about – and I still think about it, about being somewhere smaller and quieter. Okay. But to be honest with you, it would – the big part of it was, like, would I be able to handle living next, near her? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I've done it before. Right. Um, I can't say I was like when she lived in Dallas, uh, we would we would see each other at mm-hmm. least twice a month, mm-hmm. you know, and that was good. Didn't you guys live together at one point in Dallas when she moved first moved there and then she got she got her own place after that. And but she, she lived she lived in another suburb, but it was close. Like it was the next suburb over, and we would we'd spend a lot of time together, like on the weekends and stuff, and holidays, and, and it was good, you know. And but I think that's what she wants. One of she just wants to be know that there's family there, and yeah, I guess maybe one day, who knows? Who knows what'll happen? Part of me feels like there there is an obligation there. Mhm. I feel that too. To one day just be like okay. Just be near her. I don't know. Make the sacrifices that are a part of that. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if like Chicago is like the right spot for me. Who knows? Yeah. Well, you haven't been there very long, so it's hard to yeah. make that determination. Yeah. Do you think she'll, if you wind up staying there, do you think she'd come see you? Maybe. I mean, it's not that far. No. A car is 12 hours. So did you guys wind up talking cause I, about other things? Because I think you know we had other questions about different episodes 
growing up as well. I think I remember you saying something about how we both remembered the trip out to Colorado. You got some clarity on that too? Yeah, she did say those two guys were not together. Really? Yeah, and that it was a nightmare for her, that trip. I would imagine, yeah. 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 Just because I think that I think that was the only sort of like difference, right? That we had on on the story was like whether and that you, I think you well I thought because they were together that only one of them was transitioning. Was that true? Yeah, I think it was both of them. Yeah, I think they were both doing it. Okay. All right. Well. So I I guess that that that's the end of this sort of addendum to the, to the mother. Yeah. Podcast which we did a two-part on. And as far as traveling, I think I caught you up to date on that. It's, it was, <clears throat> it's been good. I mean, the, and I, when I got here, I still feel it too a bit of just wanting to keep moving, you know? Yeah. So settling down has been a bit strange, especially in another big city. Yeah. Because I still do kind of feel like I want to keep moving. And I don't know if that's just to sort of, distract myself Mm. and not kind of like have to deal with corona and all that even though you still have to but yeah i don't know i think it probably is just sort of like running away i don't know yeah because when i was in la i just felt like i felt pretty trapped there i guess everybody felt that way during quarantine but the past 10 years in la has been good for the most part but at, before Corona, I was thinking about moving out of L.A. and going somewhere smaller because I felt like in L.A. it wasn't the place so much. It was the people mm-hmm. like I couldn't just find I couldn't find any connections with anyone, really. Mm-hmm. You know, and the ones that you found were very fleeting mm-hmm. because I, I like I find myself now like missing L.A. But what I miss is like the 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 way it looked and the way it felt Mm -hmm. and and the history of it Mm -hmm. because i think the history of it is very much tied into what your perception of la is because what you're given as la is like this sort of even now like i don't know if you've watched that show perry mason like the old show like the black and white no there's an hbo show oh no no where they where they do this whole, it's like an eight episode thing of where he starts off like as an investigator for this like big time attorney. And then he turns into an attorney out of the circumstances of the thing. Mm. But it's like this very noir 1930s setting. And I think that's like you, that gets into you. It's like, that's LA. Like they're like, Mm. and then you go out there and it's not like that at all, Mm. but you still can feel like where that came from Hmm. in LA. It's a weird it's a weird vibe. I, I mean, I would imagine, too, that part of your missing L.A. is that that really is the first place that you lived that was uniquely you. Like, not, not a place that you had gone before or that was associated with family. Like, that was independently a place for you. And I think yeah. that's something that's that's unique and special, you know. Yeah, that's why it makes me want to go back, you know, yeah. at, at some point. But it was just so expensive there. Yeah. And being in the Midwest, you do see, you do see the difference in the way people treat each other, for sure. I don't know if you felt that way in Cincinnati. Yeah, we did. I mean, since I, I feel like we we always felt like Cincinnati was like the the most northern southern town in in America. You know, like because it felt more like the South from a hospitality and manners kind of standpoint but more laid back than the south like we didn't feel like you know silly examples are you know in the south if if you go to the grocery store you feel like you gotta you know dress up or like for women particularly like they're not going to be seen without makeup on the midwest has a much more laid back like we don't care about that sort of a thing you have those people but it just was a more relaxed vibe so we always felt like cincinnati was uh, um was just the better version of the south because people were still nice but there was a little less of a show 
that was going on. Yeah. Chicago's kind of hard to encapsulate, but the people are very nicer here, for sure. In L.A., people are a bit more into themselves. They're by nature of just the aesthetics of the place and whatever you think about the entertainment industry is probably true. Yeah. You know, like that's not like a that's not like a made up thing. Like yeah. the, it, people inherently are either trying to be an actor, a singer, a model, a writer, and all that stuff takes an extreme amount of confidence in yourself. And there's a narcissism in that. So yeah. That places like that. You know, and there's a lot of there's a lot of sun. There's no time. There's no time for people to be not outside. Mm. I don't know. I think there's some some something to do about like not the weather not really changing. That mm-hmm. kind of makes things robotic a bit. I can see that. Yeah, you'll you'll definitely experience the difference of that being in Chicago. I'm not looking forward to the winter, but I I kind of am just to see. What it's like. Yeah. But I think being 10 years in Southern California is kind of like, you know. You got kind of just, used to it. Yeah. So it's going to be. spoiled a, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, but I hear people are like moving out of their droves. And that that's creating more of a housing drop, like rent-wise. Oh, wow. In L.A. So who knows? Maybe I'll go back and it'll be cheaper. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> Yeah. So as, I, at at the risk of like maybe sounding a little bit too psychological here, I guess I'm just thinking about our previous – the conversation we've had just about mom. And again, I don't want to dwell on it necessarily. And it, like I said, I'm not trying to you know, be a pop psychologist here. But like as we talk about and as we identify certain characteristics – with mom and how those affect us. Like, how would you say your view of women in general and relationships more specifically have been influenced by your relationship with mom? I think that like at the beginning of like recognizing that, you know, you're attracted to women and um, growing up the way we did with in the church and knowing like certain aspects of that, there's a re- there's a lot of restrictions in that, right? You mm-hmm. know, like with the, within the church and like religion and all that, and like they don't really deal with sexuality that well. I don't think. I agree. You know, like with all the things that happen to human bodies and stuff like that, and there's just a black and whiteness of it. And the way and how strict mom was, I was very I was very scared of women, mm. and, and scared of like. Just the interactions, how things go. So that's the way things started out for me. And as far as the way I viewed women, I felt like on a certain level I'm uh, a stupid romantic. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, like, I get – I fall very easily for women. Like, if I I find a woman that I like, I fall in love with them very easily and quickly. (laughs) And it all happens very fast for me. I don't know what that has to do with mom. Maybe she was that way. But there is a bit, I told you this before, there is a bit of misogyny mm-hmm. within that, or just frustration that turns into misogyny mm-hmm. with women. And I think that comes from mom, you know, like just being sort of like disappointed in life decisions or disappointed and reactionary towards the way she operated in life. I think that has been a big part of failed relationships too, you know. I don't know how it I don't know how it affected you. Like Yeah, I mean I think probably a little bit more basic. I identified the things that I just didn't like about mom. And I would say the majority of that falls into like a a bucket called negativity. And tried to stay away from those type of relationships. Like if I felt like there was somebody who was more who, who couldn't handle their emotional, you know, quotient very well and dependent. Like I, you know, you mentioned 
you mentioned the word guilt trip and being aware of that very early. There's another word that I was also aware of very early in our, our bringing up, and that was the word codependence. Yeah. And I, f- I feel like I went into relationships going, I don't want to be in a codependent relationship. So I think it was taking what I'd seen, recognizing the negativity, and then going the opposite direction. Yeah, I know that the codependency term came up when because I felt like mom did some work on herself after the second marriage. I, well, I, I think you're right, but I've, I distinctly being remember being aware of that before that second marriage broke down. Like during the second marriage, I remember hearing those words. Yeah, but she was codependent. Yes. Because I yeah. think that, I think there was some work done during the marriage. I don't know if it was counseling or what it was, but I, I definitely remember her reading books about that. Maybe you know, just seeing stuff yeah. lying around, things like yeah. that. Yeah, I definitely remember that too. I remember her like after that second marriage. You know, she's always struggled with her weight. Yeah. And she was she started doing Weight Watchers. Yeah. And she lost like a hundred pounds in a year and she would go on these walks yeah by the lake i'd go with her and i think during that time she was doing a lot of like i think she's she was you know she was seeing she was seeing she was going to a shrink you know mm-hmm. and reading books and stuff and i felt like she did get into a good place yeah after that marriage so but going back to like just the way my 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 sort of interact my relationships with women, I think another thing is that I've always and I want to be I want to be nice about this and not be like I want to say it the right way and handle it. But a lot of the women that I've had relationships with have been a bit broken, mm. and like there's this thing of like I want to go in and be that yeah. person that can rescue. Yeah. And I think maybe that's partly from mom's failed relationships too, you know. Yeah, and the, I mean, and I want to say this: the thing about that is, is like I was in no position to rescue anybody. <laughs> None of us are really. So. No, I yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there is an aspect where being a, a hopeless romantic is a is a good thing, for sure. I, I do wonder too, like. Would someone looking on the outside describe mom even that way, too? Like there's a fine line between being a hopeless romantic and then just wanting to have a relationship for the for the sake of romance, you know, and that's that can be a tendency, like you said, to fall hard just because you want to fall hard. Yeah. You know, well, I think the whole I've done a lot of reading on this and working on it because I recognize I was like, this is really insane. Like this whole setup that I've got going. So the whole thing of hopeless romantic romanticism, romanticism in general, the, the thought of romantic love in general is something we've made up over the years. Like it, it, it's basically started with the Tristan and Isolde story, mm-hmm. which was about a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. And then was, Doubled down with Romeo and Juliet because Romeo and Juliet's based on that Tristan Isolde story, mm-hmm. and that's where that sort of notion of romantic love sort of seeped into Western culture. Mm. Because if you look at a, a lot of other cultures, like Eastern cultures, like um, there is no romantic love. You know, like marriage and relationships are based on something else. It's not based on this like maniacal, like crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, people are always saying, like, I want that fiery passion and all that stuff. Like, that's not real, man. Like, that stuff doesn't – like, you might have that, and that's basically chemistry, body chemistry between two people. But, like, the aspect that there is this romantic love is sort of something that we've built up over a thousand years. It's an artifice. I mean, I think there's some truth to that. I mean, I, I think you're right that the way it seeped in the culture and the way that we – have used those stories to build our expectations, have definitely seeped into the way we experience life. But, I mean, I would say, you know, again, like going going into my background here um, and my field of work, 
you know, I would say the text that I study the most and base my life on is is not a Western text. It's an ancient Near East text. And there are definitely old stories there of romantic love. And so, yeah, that's a culture where a lot of marriages were arranged, you know, and and things happened in order to unite families and clans and those sorts of things. But you do have these ancient stories of Ruth and Boaz and and these ancient stories of um, Jacob and, and Rachel and Leah that are romantic in nature without question. And then there's this book, you know, in 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 the Bible called The Song of Solomon, which is incredibly romantic and erotic at the same time. So I do think that it's existed for for a long time, but I think the way that our western culture has taken those things, built it up to to be just this crazy amalgam of expectation of this is the way a relationship should be and this is how you should feel has definitely been warped and um and it messes with our psyche it absolutely messes with it it definitely does also uh, you talk about those old stories how much of that though when it comes to the bible there's the king james version right which is what which is like kind of like what most people are brought up on these days, right? Um, I would say that's probably the version that our parents were brought up. Most people who are our parents' age were brought up on. I wouldn't say and that like, for today. And what? When did that version come about? I think it was in the early 1600s. Right. So that probably that's right in the middle of all this romanticism, right? Yeah, but I wouldn't say that that version of the Bible change the essence of those stories because we we today so the versions of the the translations of those of the bible is based on ancient hebrew which is a which is an ancient near east language that is grounded in has similarities to like a language called ugaritic language which is you know thousands of years old and then the New Testament is based on Greek, which definitely, you know, has those Western influence. But my point is, is that you you could you could never see the King James Version and you can go to the original documents, which that's, this is a whole nother conversation, I believe are very, very true to what they originally are so i think the doc the the documents we have today that we based all our english bible translations on the sources of those translations i think are incredibly reliable to what they originally were so you can go to those sources you can go to the hebrew and you can go what does it say and not even worry about the king james translation of it so i think that i think the the reliability of those ancient stories is pre- is pretty good fair enough um yeah so the whole romantic love thing though is yeah there's definitely over the years it's been as you say warped so yeah. as far as like my like i feel like mom is definitely probably was looking for something like that you know something that was like true love and like soulmates and stuff like that people believe in that stuff oh yeah um, i'm sure I mean, why would you wait for three years for someone in jail if you didn't have a bit of hope, hopeless romanticism in your life? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, but I guess I could probably – also, how much is that, like, biological, like, passed down, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's I think it's natural. You had to desire that. I think so. I think you're right. I think a lot of it is genetic. Yeah, so biologically, I mean, we're we're biologically we're we're programmed to find someone and to you know be in relationship with someone, and so yeah, you, if you're going to be in relationship with someone, you want to kind of like them, <laughs> you know. Well, I guess that's probably the end of yeah the mom thing, the addendum to that. Uh, I'm not sure like what you want to do next because i feel like i've been driving this train a bit so i don't know if there's like a subject that you want to address in the next one well maybe we could just 
we can talk offline a little bit and just kind of bounce some ideas around and then kind of settle on a map of where to go. Okay. Well, that was pretty vague. Well, because I don't have a specific idea right now. <laughs> All right. Okay. So that's the end of this podcast for today. Is there any last words? No. I'm glad we're getting back, hopefully getting back into the rhythm of it, though. Yeah. Uh, me too. I feel like the feel like it's much needed. So thank you guys for listening. If you are listening, uh, this has been, um, I don't know what episode this is. Oh, yeah. Of uh, my brother's deeper. So thank you guys.